Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome in Hawks fans. Your boy Bryce Lewis back at it again for another Believe in Hawks episode. Hawks getting the win tonight over the 76ers. Both teams having dealing with injuries, but Hawks still should have won, which they did 127 to 121 over the Sixers. Got close in the fourth quarter. Sixers made it close. Hawks made some mistakes that, you know, I think some people were reminded of that they usually in the past, but they were able to hang on, never trailed this game, and pretty much was was able to, you know, like I said, get a, get a good win here and now start a streak of very winnable games if you look at their schedule where the Hawks, I even made a prediction on Twitter that the Hawks could be 500 by the end of this month because the, that's that's how winnable these next seven, eight games are for them, starting it tonight with a good win over Philadelphia. So appreciate you guys tuning into the pod right now, but let's go ahead and dive into it. Hawks, Jante missed tonight's game, still with back tightness. Wesley Matthews was out. Patty Mills was out with an illness. They really were very, very short on the bench, only had nine guys active for this game. Only played, well, actually, that's a cap. Ten guys active for this game. <laughs> and, you know, I know people were interested to see how things would go, but it went pretty well. I mean, pretty much for the most part, you got what you got for what you needed from people. Uh, Trey led the way with 37 points, 12 assists. Um, so Trey Young clearly continues to take uh, advantage of the opportunities that he has. Had a good game tonight. Like I said, made some mistakes late, but. But he did what he needed to do. He is also now fifth all time in games of 30 points and 10 assists in NBA history. And Trey Young's only 25 years of age. So congratulations to Trey Young continuing to write his legacy as one of the best balance point guards scoring and passing the ball in the league. He's also gotten there in a a very few amount of games as well compared to guys like Harden and others. So Trey Young continues to just be productive, still gets his point, but still gets his teammates involved. So congratulations to Trey on a job well done from that perspective. But continuing on, uh, Bogey with 13 in the starting lineup tonight. Didn't have the greatest night tonight, but 13. Akongwu continuing to play well as a starter continuing a stretch of games playing well. Something I've said about a Kongu is, yes, compared to Clint Capella, you do lose some shot blocking and you do lose some rebounding, but you just get an overall better offensive player. And then you also get a guy who just can do more. And he's also a more versatile defender than Clint Capella as well. So I think you've seen the differences. It feels like, you know, he's taken a step here. Landry Fields actually had a trade deadline uh, conference with with media members earlier today uh, talking about it, talking about one of the reasons why they stand pat at the deadline was because of an uptick in production and play from Oyeka, and it's been shown for the last few games, which has also been one of the reasons why the Hawks have won five of the last seven games that they've played. So Oyeka Kongu continues to go out there and play well tonight, 21-8 and uh, from the floor. Bay with 18 and 11 in this game. Really was active on the boards with Jalen Johnson, who also had 11 and 11 in this game. You know, like I said, didn't have the greatest, like, from the field shooting night, but got to the free throw line, had eight attempts, hit all eight uh, free throws, 
and did what he needs to do there. Going to the to the bench, DeAndre Hunter 11-2-2 coming off the bench. A lot of people say that they seem to like the DeAndre Hunter off the bench decision. Um, one question I'll have, obviously, is will he play tomorrow against the Houston Rockets? You know, they haven't had a back-to-back. I think they had a back-to-back last week, uh, towards the weekend, I believe, and he didn't play. Obviously, he just got back from the injury then, but we'll see. He's played. He seems fine. He doesn't seem limited. He seems, you know, healthy, but we'll see if the, the, that they if they decide to sit him tomorrow against Houston or does he continue to play. Like I said, he's been on the minutes restriction, hitting 24 minutes tonight, so he's in the 20 to 25 range right now with that knee. Bruno with eight points off the bench. Continue to play, do, do what he needs to do out there. Garrison Matthews gave you eight points tonight. I mean, that's, that's solid contributions from a guy like him. And then Trent Forrest played eight minutes tonight. Really didn't do a lot offensively at all. Didn't even take a single shot in this game, but, you know, gave you four assists. So, uh, like I said, good win tonight. Hawks shot 52% from the field, 44% from three. So a hot night from the three-point line, uh, 82% from the free throw line, 31 assists. They lost the rebounding battle, but, which, you know, kind of started catching up to them later as the game went on, but able to survive. But overall, Hawks did it what they needed to do in a game that they needed to take care of business which they did, which was always the big thing um, overall. So good for them to, to get a good win tonight over, over Philly. Um, and like I said, really create a streak of games right now where they could kind of start to take off and play really, really good basketball. So I'm excited to know what that will look like moving forward for them uh, as they continue to hopefully get healthy. Wonder if DeJounte will get back tomorrow from his back tightness. I know people thought that they may have sat him because of the trade deadline. Clearly, he missed today's game. Could have came back. We'll see if he'll come back tomorrow. We don't know how close. We don't know if this is a game, if he's going to miss more games or he'll be back. Uh, a couple of guys are sick. We'll see if they'll get back from their illness tomorrow. Be nice to be able to get the guys back against Houston. Just, you know, really make sure you keep the momentum going moving forward. So that's really what, what, what what's happening there. So with the Hawks over the Sixers. So now I just want to talk about Landry's post-trade deadline comments. Obviously, I made a video. If you haven't seen it, go check it out on the trade deadline recap. Somebody on the Reddit, the Hawks Reddit, we were making fun. Somebody said, how is it a recap when they ain't do nothing? That was actually funny. That was funny. Um, I mean, I just put a title on there. I mean, I know they ain't do nothing, but just something to talk about why they ain't do nothing. So, uh, yeah, so don't check that out if you have it. But, um, nah, like... He actually uh, made some comments today about why the Hawks stood pat at the trade deadline and what tried to give insight into what they want to do with this team. This is something he said earlier uh, during his uh, conference with the media. For us, what we really wanted to lean into was continued focus on our process, continued focus on development. And with any sort of concept that came in, it's not just the short-term results or the short-term goals, I should say, that we're interested in. It's long-term. So with anything, understanding the second and third and fourth order consequences is very, very important to us. So as you could see, one thing he talked about was, you know, obviously I mentioned that he mentioned the uptick, guys playing better, things of that nature, right? But he also talked about just the fact that they're not going to 
do things for short-term goals and risk long-term, right? Which really just goes into the, the word of the day, development. Development is something that they wanted when they fired Nate McMillan, because obviously under the Nate McMillan regime, he did not believe in development. I think a lot of Hawks fans felt like a lot of these players kind of stayed the same through those years, never really made improvements. Uh, they continue to talk about it now. You know, they talked about the college, the Skyhawks was effective for Jalen uh, his first year, especially. And that they are, they have that, that really, they just, like I said, they're focused on long-term, which kind of gives insight. Cause I mean, obviously if you're expecting to be competitive, you're probably thinking short-term, how can we be competitive now? And he's saying, well, we want to be competitive now. Sometimes it's hard to have patience to be competitive now, but you know, we also got to think about, well, what can we do long-term? Because development is a long game. I've said this before. Development is not cute. It's not sexy. It's not, it's not, it, it can be fun depending if you love the grind of development. I mean, obviously if you love the ascension of Jalen Johnson, then you like development, but it takes a second. Even now Jalen Johnson getting his first full year of playing still has way more growth to do. You know, he still has a lot of growth to do. You saw today in today's game, there's still things he needs to improve. And I say he's going through like an interesting stretch of basketball right now where like he's doing some good things, but it feels like he's still trying to find maybe that rhythm he had earlier in the season or when he first had came back from the injury where he was getting 20 a night uh, with almost 10, with 10 rebounds and five assists. Right now he's been doing a lot of 13, 14, 12 point games. And, you know, it's, and then people have been talking about how he attacks the rim how he's been signed somewhat finesse sometimes, how he, how he's just, you know, you don't know why he's not coming maybe with more aggressiveness with his ability and skill that he has. And, and there's evidence that the Hawks have developed. And that may be also why that you've seen a better stretch of play these last few games. I mean, I mean, I could talk about a few players. DeAndre Hunter is a guy who tonight you saw some good things from him. With him, DeAndre Hunter to me is not a stat guy. He's not a guy who's just going to tear it up from the stat line. So you're going to look at the stat line and think he just had an average night. But if you've actually been watching, especially this season under Quinn, I feel like Quinn has done a really good job of putting DeAndre in places where he is most effective, the post-ups, encouraging, driving to the rim. DeAndre is a big guy, strong guy, can take contact, finish at the rim. He's also now a 40% three-point shooter. That's something that he really has improved. He's they've clearly worked with players on this team on their shots because they want to put up threes. And DeAndre has seen the the uh, the success of that. He, he he's now a forty percent three point shooter. I mean, in people's terms, that's a sniper in this league, and he's really improved that part of his game. And now he's made himself a, an effective three level score realistically because he's because he was really a guy who had a had a, his sharp his uh, shot chart was more mid ranges and stuff. Now he can hit the three consistently and then also get to the paint and then take the mid-range here and there. You know, the past, he, you know, he's he done some, some things well. I mean, even defensively, he looks more spry, I feel like, on the defensive end of the ball. I feel like, like I said, Quinn has been using him in his strengths, and you've seen that in his play. And I think that's why as much as people crap on DeAndre Hunter, DeAndre Hunter has improved this year. I know he made waves saying he didn't work on anything, and everybody thought he was serious. And I'm, but if you really think about it, he's never been a forty percent three point shooter, so he he just didn't magically start being able to shoot forty percent. 
It's something that he had to work on, clearly. It's something that the coaching staff worked on with him. And now you're seeing, you know, the fruits of his of that labor that he put in to do this. Um, yet Kongu, especially this last stretch of games, has shown improvement. Obviously, we know he's been working on his jump shot, trying to become more of a threat offensively. But really, especially you've seen, he's done a great job when they keep picking rolls, when, when his man comes off of him, when they're trying to go after maybe Trey get into the lane, of making himself an available target. And, and then he's able has a floater, has a jump shot, has a three. That's why Quinn Snyder, out of timeouts especially, likes drawing up those, those, those screens that get him open in the corner. And it's funny because it feels like it's not an advanced play, but teams are going to still let him be wide open because really percentage-wise, he hasn't shot that well this year, but he has shot it a little bit better during these last few stretch of games. So Kongu has been inconsistent, I think, and I think that's just also because Clint's here and it's not allowing him to fully, you know, fully be himself when you're sharing the load with Clint and you're not a starter and you're coming off the bench and things like that. With the starters, it was interesting to see what he would do, and he's played really, really well. And offensively has been a big boost. He's basically giving you 17 a game, giving you 21 tonight. He's made a lot of progress. You know, and Andrew talked about it. Bay is a guy who has been in flux. We know about his shooting slump. We know his three-point shot has been off. But one thing Bay was, Bay last year was a good three-point shooter, and he was also a mid-range guy. He didn't really attack the paint as much. This year, they clearly said, Bay, attack the paint. You're really good at it. He's a really good finisher. He battles. He fights on the boards. He he, 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 get, he can get to the free-throw line. And now it seems like his shot is starting to come back a little bit. It seems like he's starting to play a little bit better from the three-point line. So that could be big for him. Listen, we know his defense isn't great. But the one thing about Bay is he tries. The effort is there. He's not he's not putting out, you know, lack of effort. Uh, Grant Shirley on Twitter, uh, follow him. He mentioned that I, it's been a while since he felt like Dre – or not Dre – yeah, uh, Bay has been lost on defense. You know, and I agree with him. Like, you know, people like to criticize him and, and talk about, you know, oh, you know, Bay can't play defense. We're not going to pay him. Da, 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 da. And the thing about it is we know what his liabilities are. But I think for him, it's very important. If he knows the scheme and what he knows what the team needs him to do, it benefits him. And I've also said, too, with Hunter and Jalen back, it it helps them use Bay more effectively on both ends, where when one of them's out, then he has to be one of – he has to be either Jalen or uh, Hunter, and that's not his strength. With the way they're using him right now, he can kind of play a little bit differently, and I think that's been helping him. And they've worked with him, and you can see that they've kind of figured out how to – better use base the season has gone on and that's why you've seen progress you've seen better play from that so those are just three guys that landry mentioned that he felt like improved and you know biggest people the biggest question people have is you know the rookies like you know if that's the case then why are we playing patty mills and them they're not part of the long term like why are we not giving kobe run and we're giving you know uh, seth lundy run and obviously muhammad gay's been hurt but you know why are we not giving aj run and things like that which he mentioned today also about aj griffin that he has some personal issues that created a setback for him, and that's why he's not playing. And they potentially are looking to let him go to uh, the Skyhawks and get some playing time there. So they clearly they have a plan. They just obviously are like, all right, we're just going to have him, you know, get himself right before we have him start playing games for us again.
So we'll have to see. But, you know, and then Ellen said the, the rookie argument is a fair argument, but they clearly, this regime clearly believes in, we believe that we can develop with, with the Skyhawks. I, I think that the, the, the average fan does not respect the G League. They think the G League is a bunch of bums. And so how can you improve against bums, you know? But don't but don't realize there's so much more that goes into it than against who you played against. You know, think about it. They're running what Quinn is running with with the main NBA roster. So they're still playing within the scheme. They're still playing within the system. So they're getting reps in the system, getting reps in the scheme. So when they get called up and they play, it's not like I am brand spanking new to this. It's like, well, we've been doing this with the college Skyhawks. Now, obviously, the difference, like if a Kobe gets called up, is he's the main guy on the Skyhawks. He's not going to be the main guy on the Hawks. So he has to readjust how he is because, you know, you're not going to be the main guy. But same thing with Seth. But overall, there are G League is supposed to be a development league. It's supposed to help develop. You have coaches who, who want to build their name on development and you just work with those guys consistently. Sometimes people will question, why does Kobe get caught up or Seth get caught up and they're not going to play? And sometimes that's just them wanting them to be on the bench, seeing the, the, the flow of the game, seeing the coaching, hearing what they're doing, the walkthroughs, the film study, just to be a part of it. Because they feel like all of those reps and all of those things can help and benefit those guys at the end of the day, outside of just getting out there and playing against them. Because they're saying, well, why are they not developing? Realistically, if you look at this rotation with the top eight, the ninth guy is only playing probably at best 10 minutes a game. How much development is Seth or Kobe going to get from five to 10 minutes a game, depending on the game, when they can play 25, th- like 25, 30 minutes with the Skyhawks and be one of the main players on that team, getting those reps and still working within the scheme. So you can see that the development is been a priority. And that's why he said they're not actively trying to push and make moves and do stuff that's crazy and things like that, because they really want to really focus on long-term, like, Long-term, if we can get Kobe up to a certain point and Seth up to a certain point, that will be beneficial for the team. You know, I've talked about guys who are currently on the roster right now. I mean, DeJounte Murray, even though he may not be particularly happy about his role, man's having a career high. So, I mean, it's not like this man is like the role has actually usually when you hear players complain about, I don't like my role. I think my role sucks. My role is hurting me. When you, when you usually think about that, you think that means that they're, having a, a, a career low or they're struggling and things like that. But realistically, I think DeJounte's having a career high. Now, the thing about DeJounte, if you watch the games, is that he'll have these, these games where he'll be, like, kind of mid, and then he'll, like, heat up. Like, DeJounte heats up at times, whether it's first or fourth quarter or whatever. He heats up a lot, and that's how he hits his averages. You know, he doesn't maybe have that same steady game throughout. But at the end of the day, clearly when he does get the ability to, I guess, play within his his, his rhythm, plays well. Um, I knew Bogey would be great when they brought these guys in. And Bogey, you know, I think now six-man-a-year candidate. You know, so you've seen, and obviously we know about, like I said, Jalen making the improvements he's made. So there has been improvement amongst this team. And you're seeing, and I think you're seeing the fruits of that labor more in this last six, seven sh- game stretch of basketball from the Hawks than you were earlier this season. Earlier this season, you saw them play really, really well and then really, really bad. And it was just so much up and down stuff going on here. Like, why are we unable to be consistent? Why are we unable to keep up this level of play? And I felt the last six, seven games, there's been more consistency in their level of play. 
maybe outside the last five, six minutes of this game tonight against the Sixers, for the most part, the Hawks have been steadily consistent with how they've played. So I think that's the main gist of basically what they're aiming for and what they mean by long-term goals, not letting that affect short-term. Because they're like, yeah, we could affect short-term, I mean, our affect short-term goals and try to go for that. But the thing is, it's, 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 it's the thing that every GM weighs in the NBA. If you make this move now, you may be destroying your long-term for the short-term. Everybody talked about it with the Lakers. They're destroying their long-term to win now. But if they don't win now, it's going to be hard to do something later because you don't have anything. That's something you have to weigh as a GM. And clearly the Hawks, Landry, and in in them don't feel like it's worth destroying their future to try to win something now. Because at the end of the day, you know, they want to try to build something sustainable over time. That's obviously the best way you want to be is to build a sustainable winner. Suns don't have a sustainable winner. They are a one, two year, we're going for the finals type guy. Maybe three, depending on what happens with the guys and Rabeel and Booker and KD. But that's a short term. We're we're, we're sacrificing long term for right now. You know, and the Hawks, I think, are just not at that point where they're comfortable sacrificing long term for short term. They said at this point, we might as well keep developing, keep having the guys improve, and see where it ends up. One interesting comment, and I and I didn't forget about this either. And I know because I know about this comment. Landry Fields was asked about DeJounte Murray. He was he asked, he was asked about Trey Young and how they've how they've played together. And you know, the comment. You know, raise some 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 eyebrows. I think. Um, so I'll I'll read what he said. He said this: the sample size is getting larger and larger, and assuming you're looking at specific lineups and the defensive and at offensive ratings, which can always be debated as well, you're starting to see that more and more. And yeah, I can't lie to you; the numbers speak for themselves on that. But we're also interested in well, let's say they're on the court together, and based off numbers, is not working out. Why is that? What are things that they that we can do for them in the development aspect to make them look more like the on and off lineups that I'm assuming that you're looking at? And ultimately, that then lays something out that is measurable. Those are the things now that, from a development standpoint, you can look at and say, okay, can you progress in these areas? If you can't, then yeah, those are times like that. I'm not saying exactly how exactly how's going to happen with any player where you have to consider changes that everybody would then be asking and looking for at the end of the day. Now, if you if you listen to that quote, sounds kind of confusing. Sounds like this man don't know what he's talking about half the time. But he, what he's basically saying is, is that he feels like, yeah, you know, sample size is larger. And it may not be what we expected, maybe initially. But at the same time, we do have to reflect at, at us ourselves and think, is there anything we can do on our end to improve that? Is there anything we can do on our end to help with that? To how can we get when they play with maybe this lineup, how can we get that same consistency with other lineups? You know, and I think that's something that I think Quinn's been trying to figure out just in general with his play. And, and to me, it makes me think to myself that Quinn knows DeJounte is not particularly happy about things. And I think Quinn is really trying to work with him and work with the team and just trying to get him to buy in and say, listen, I know 
this isn't maybe particularly what you expected it to fully be, but I really think that if you really lock into it, things will come to you, it will get better, and things will work out. Now, people just feel like Landry kind of leaving the door open, like, yeah, maybe Trey and DeJounte don't work, I think is what a lot of people took from that. It was kind of like, okay, why would you say that openly? Why would you even give people the thought that you are basically saying that Trey and DeJounte don't work when you're the person behind that trade? And it's a valid point. It's a very valid point. Um, it, it's something that people obviously are going to question. Because obviously, if you look at the numbers, it doesn't look the greatest. One of the biggest things is that, you know, you you clearly need to... Um, Look at, okay, what can we do to help them? That's what Landry needs to figure out. And if he doesn't feel like that's the case, he needs to make the move to Zossi. He needs to trade Trey. I mean, not Trey. Not, no, god-awful. No, not Trey. He needs to trade DeJounte if if he doesn't think it's going to work. At the end of the day, as a GM, you got to come to that decision and be like, okay, like, if it, like what, what do we think? Do we think this can work? Because you've done this now for two seasons, DeJounte and Trey, at the end of this year. You need to know at the end of two seasons if this is going to work. If it's not, make the move. If not, you know, do what you got to do. If you do think it can work, then you got to figure out how can you build around them. And I feel like that's basically what the second half of this year is going to also be is just that final evaluation period of does Trey and DeJounte work? You know, I think that's what it's going to be. And then, like I said, we'll have to see how DeJounte is. Like I said, DeJounte isn't particularly happy with his role, so he may still want out anyway. We'll have to see how the season progresses. A lot seems like is going to come into this last stretch of the season and see where the team ends up. And then this offseason, maybe we'll finally get some big moves being made, and then we'll see what this team looks like moving forward. So we're going to have to see. But... Appreciate you guys for tuning in. I think that will wrap it up for us. Uh, like I said, don't forget to follow me on Twitter, right? underscore 2K to catch up with all my Hawks takes there, evaluations of the game, et cetera, et cetera. Also, don't forget if you're watching this on YouTube, subscribe and like the video. Appreciate you guys. Also, audio, leave a review, leave a comment, hit five stars, get other Hawks fans to this pod right here. And we'll just keep it going all day, every day, man. Appreciate you guys, man. Like I said, it's your boy Bryce Lewis. We'll see you next time.